Welcome to Coaching the Coach. I'm your host, Pete Townley, for the Upstate Performance Project. Guys, welcome to the show. We are back at it with some continued discussion on the nine principles of personal training or of programming or however you want to describe it. Um, you know, personal training is one of those words or terms that, I mean, it is what it is. It describes what we do. It's personal training. But so many people use strength coaches or fitness coach, fit pro, you know, all these other terms. They all mean the same things. You're training someone. You're you're their fitness trainer. You're, I mean, there's all sorts of different uh, ways to say it. But anyhow, personal training, nine principles. you got to have these principles. Now, before I jump into those, uh, or the, the one or two that we'll talk about today, again, I want to talk about a few things that are coming up for the Upstate Performance Project. So two things real quick. First, my coffee's about ready. There it is. Got to reheat it. Um, the uh, biggest thing I want to talk about that's upcoming is our app our Upstate Performance Project app. Now we have looked at different ways to deliver our online personal training. We've used other people, other like coaching apps. We've used the band app probably the longest where it was a place where I could house everything and it was nice and it worked well. Um, but it still relied on some, you know, outdated technology. Um, I still love it meeting Excel spreadsheets, but not everybody does. And I get that. And so we're moving along with the times and, but I wanted to do something unique and different and something that was totally us. And so we have created our own app and it's in the process of being approved, um, uh, by Apple first. And then, um, Google play store will be second. Uh, hopefully that won't be much longer. Um, process just takes a little while to make sure everything works well, all the content is there, um, everything uploads properly. Uh, so we are in the, I think the last couple stages here of getting that up and running. So hopefully within the next week or two, we'll at least have the first version up there. And of course, there'll be lots of updates as we go. But it's going to be our way to deliver our personal training packages to to you, uh, but also having quick access to our website, articles, YouTube videos, um, and a whole host of other things. So on our YouTube channel, uh, we're going to start uploading a lot more content again. We we you know played around with it, experimented with it, and we kind of sat on it for a while, kind of thinking about how we really want to proceed with our YouTube. And we've got some ideas. And basically, just to kind of give you a quick rundown, we're gonna do two or three different uh, video types. There's gonna be one that is just purely educational, how to do these exercises. And those are gonna be served, or the purpose of those is mainly for our online um, personal and training clients so they can have a reference of how to do these exercises. Uh, so they don't have to Google something and not still not know if it's exactly what I'm asking them to do. Um, it will be just there for us. And those obviously will be linked to the app. The other thing that we're going to be looking at um, to do is our vlog style 
um, which we did, oh, I guess, I guess a little over a year ago. We did about seven or eight episodes, kind of tested it out, kind of looking at what we liked, what we didn't like about those, and, and kind of making some tweaks to that. Uh, and then we're going to have just some straight, informative videos that are going to be a little bit shorter, that are just going to go essentially hit right at you. This is some information about personal training, strength and conditioning, sports performance, um, just some nuances there. Uh, so there should be a lot to, to uh, take in, excuse me, content-wise. Um, so we are looking to ramp that back up. And that will all be accessed, you know, through YouTube, sure. But also, if you have the app, when it's when it's ready, you'll be able to just go right to your app and boom, look, view all of those videos right there. Um, <clears throat> secondly, we are wrapping up the final touches on a few products that we are looking to be selling on our website. That we've we've been selling some um, weightlifting programs, some specific. Uh, programs, programs that are aimed at addressing certain areas like leg strength or back strength, shoulder pressing strength, you know, some weaknesses so that you can still continue to lift, but then have a eight, uh, six to eight week focus on one of those problem areas to kind of bring them up to speed. And we are adding to that, uh, adding lots of other types of programs to that, um, adding a conditioning book, which um, that should be the first or the next one that will be done. And so we are looking forward to a lot of programs rolling out. So stay tuned, a lot coming. Um, as a lot of you know, Chelsea and I got married <laughs> about a month ago now. And, you know, prior to that, we spent a lot of time planning the wedding, um, a lot of family in town. It was an amazing last eight, nine months. But some things took a back seat while we put our personal life in the front seat, as it should be, right? So now we're ready to kind of team up and tackle all these projects we've been talking about for a while, and now we have a clear path to do that. So that's what we're doing. Okay, so jumping into today's topic, um, as I've mentioned, and you've heard me say this a million times, <laughs> a lot, that we have to follow certain principles in order for our personal training programs to have, a, you know, the, the right effect, to be effective over the long haul. And again, we always say over the long haul or for the, for the lifespan or however you want to say it. But what, what, what we're trying to say is if you want a program to work, and by work, we mean you want to change your body composition, you want to get stronger, you want to live healthier the rest of your life, these nine things have to be present. And we've always put a caveat in there. If you're looking for, you know, just to build your strength over the next three months, you don't necessarily have to have all nine of these principles. There, there are some exceptions, but again, that would be a one three month, you know, meso cycle in our macro cycle of life, if you will. So. Every little program or every, you know, uh, like I said, meso, micro um, cycle does not have to have all nine. But when you look at the program as a whole, what are the main goals overall? All nine of these principles should be adhered to. And if they are, you'll be successful, 
I mean, that's that's the best part about it. If you do these things and if you count for these things, you'll be successful for, for your own personal development, but also uh, for your clients as well, which is what we're really after. Um, so what we're what we're trying to say or what I'm trying to get at here is we want you to understand that you can be successful, you can have programs, you can follow a program that you find online or you can write something for your clients, whatever capacity you're taking this information in and, and have a little bit of success in the beginning. But don't, don't confuse that with that's the only thing that will work or this is going to work forever. Now, let me give you an example using the next principle I want to talk about, which is reversibility. Reversibility is simply use it or lose it, right? So in a program where we are trying to grow and change and, you know, uh, be healthier, you know, it's very easy for us to, you know, hone in on things we like. And there's nothing wrong with that. But we still need variety. We still need a lot of other things in our program to be overall successful. Now, that doesn't mean you have to train in every possible capacity, but it does mean that, you know, you should be have a well-rounded program. So for example, um, a lot of people get really, really, really into, you know, the sport of weightlifting or powerlifting or um, CrossFit or, you know, anything like that, that's kind of a, a niche uh, area of the fitness industry. And those are all fine. Nothing wrong with any of those. But what happens is, and let, let's use powerlifting as, as an example. Um, powerlifting, squat, bench, and deadlift and their variants, you know, if you are not careful, you can get in a hole where you're just training those movement patterns. And there's very little rotation in those patterns. There's very little um, agility or flexibility built into those programs. Now, a good program will have that. So if you find a program and you're thinking, well, Pete, I follow a powerlifting program and they have me doing yoga and all these other things, then great, you're following a good program. So uh, that's, a, that's a good thing, but not many do. Uh, especially when you just look up online, powerlifting program, you can find them, but they don't necessarily address a lot of these issues. Now, take take what I do, for example. You know, I'm not a competitive weightlifter anymore, but I do like to lift heavy. And when I lift heavy, I can get, <laughs> I can go months just riding the way, feeling good, feeling strong, pushing heavy weight, making a little progress here and there. But if I <clears throat> then decide I want to do some more athletic type movements where I'm jumping or running or cutting, you know, I haven't done that stuff in a while. All of a sudden, that stuff's really hard. And when you think you can do it, you know, when you're my age and I still feel young, I still feel good, but I am getting older. I'm in my mid-40s and, you know, my agility isn't what it was when I was 20. But it doesn't mean it can't be. It doesn't mean I can't train it. It doesn't mean I can't bring that back up. And what it should mean is I should have never let it go, right? So if I... Um, teach or when I teach coach um, my soccer athletes and we're doing ladder agility drills or I'm doing some jumping uh, cone drills um, uh, plyometric stuff stuff that I personally used to excel at that's where I was 
best at. <laughs> Some of these things are hard or I, I remember, I know what to do and I go to do them and I feel off balance and I feel like, you know, a big slug trying to jump over these, these hurdles. And it's not that I can't do it. It's, it's that my timing is off. Right. Um, and I just don't have the coordination to do them. And the simple answer is not because I'm getting older because I don't put those in my program and I should it's use it or lose it. That's a skill that I had that I didn't work on for a long time. And now it's not a skill I have. And so, um, recently in my program, I've, I've been looking at, um, you know, kind of a next, next phase for me, programmatically speaking. And, you know, I've modifying some old football programs that I used to run at Ottawa university. And I, you know, I'm putting in a little bit more Olympic lifting there just, just for my own personal preferences, but I'm definitely keeping in all of my, you know, uh, agilities and plyos and all of that kind of stuff so that I can keep that, um, up, you know, uh, cross is a good example they, they may not do a lot of traditional like cone drills and ladder drills, but they do a lot of double unders, um, and a lot of box jumps and things like that to keep those skills up. And, you know, and, that, and that's a good thing. That's one, one aspect of their programming that that's pretty good in terms of the variety, but also addressing a lot of different movement patterns. And so as we age, you know, when balance and coordination do become an issue, those kind of programs or those kind of things being involved in your program, balance work, uh, flexibility work, um, plyometric stuff based on your ability. There's all kinds of different ways to scale it. We talked about progressive overload in the last podcast or progression and overload, those two principles. Plyometrics have a progression as well. You know, you can start with two feet, just doing a, hop, a line hop forward and back, side to side. That's pretty basic. Then you can do, um, you know, a standing broad jump. Then you can maybe move into a single leg hop or a low box jump, work your way up to a depth jump then a depth jump to a long jump. So you can make these things uh, progressive. So you can find something that's doable for the population you're working with. So even if you have someone who hasn't done that in a while, start slow and build them back up and let their body kind of adapt and remember how to do these things, right? Uh, for example, I used to love box jumping. And even, oh, is early or is long, I guess as soon or as recent, that's what I'm trying to say, as uh, when I turned 42 a couple years ago now, I, I hit a 44 inch box jump, which I was pretty excited about. And then I could hit a 50 inch box jump with one step. Well, I haven't done a whole lot of box jumping in my programming in the last two years. And I went to box jump the other day and you know, 36 was no problem. 38, I tripped a couple times, but got it. Then I tried 40 and I missed almost every time. I finally got it, but it was a struggle and did not look good. And you could say, well, I'm two years older and that's a skill that, you know, maybe I don't have as much explosion. Well, the thing is, I still Olympic lift. I still squat. I still do you know, unilateral work. So I should still be able to do that. But I wasn't actually jumping. And that alone is a skill. So it's not to say that, you know, being able to box jump a certain number is the most important thing. It's that I'm actually doing some jumping. I'm doing some uh, landing mechanic work. I'm doing some uh, balance work, side to side movements, rotations, balance, all of these different factors 
you need to be putting into your programs. And you know, that, that talks more about exercise selection and the variety, which is another um, principle that we could talk about. But the main point here is if you don't include something in your program, you will lose that skill. So here's, let me, let me kind of paint a long-term picture. So let's say someone comes in uh, to you and they want just a general fitness program where they want to lose a little weight, maintain or gain some muscle and be active for their kids and grandkids. Okay. Pretty, pretty standard uh, program or pretty standard set of uh, goals. Now, assuming there's no, you know, uh, injuries or anything else that we need to look at. We're not going to get into exercise specifics here, but if you look at the next year and you're kind of looking at long-term goals, maybe they want to lose 20 pounds. Maybe they want to increase their strength by a certain amount. Okay. So you can put those down and you can kind of chunk those out into different, you know, uh, uh, periods throughout the year. Now we know if they're not trying to gain a ton of strength, if they're not trying to you know, set records in distance running. We could do some long distance work at the same time we're doing some training um, at the same time. There's nothing wrong with that, but maybe a better way to look at it would be to periodize. So we have a phase where we're working more on strength and a little bit on our endurance. And then we focus more on endurance for a phase and then maybe even power, it depends, or hypertrophy. And so we phase that throughout the year. And that's that should be fairly understandable by now. That should be something that we know. Well, we need to phase in plyometrics and uh, agility and stuff like that. In other words, what we don't want to do is just pick one or two months and then just do a ton of box jumps and ladder drills and jump ropes and hurdles and all that kind of stuff and then not see it throughout the year. But we also don't need to be trying to do maximal box jumps once a week, right? So. When I'm training for power, yeah, I might want to have, you know, eight or nine sets of single box jumps, high as I can. Or if I'm if I'm working, you know, an endurance phase, I might do some long jump rope uh, uh, workouts. So you can tailor what you're doing, but you're still doing some sort of plyometric throughout the year, uh, some sort of agility work, some sort of mobility and flexibility work and rotational work that you can phase in and out. Now, there might be a phase where it's not heavily done or there's not a lot of it versus a section of your programming where it's it's more addressed, but it should never go completely away. And another good example of this or another good way to think about this is we always hear people, um, they, they want to increase their cardiovascular fitness, but they also want to get stronger. And so they're lifting super heavy and then they go run. And the question always becomes, should I run first or lift first? Or should I do this on opposite days when I'm doing this? And, and again, it completely depends on their goal. And it also completely depends on, you know, what their capabilities are currently. But in the short answer uh, or for the short answer, basically what you're looking at is you want someone to be able to focus a certain amount of time on one particular goal, but have all the other parameters involved in some sort of capacity, just a, a sliding scale of percentage of what you focus on versus the, um, the idea of going two or three months just 
hammering strength and then going two or three months and, and running distance and, and going back and forth or trying to do both at the same time. Um, and that might work for a little while, right? Um, and, and then again, you have to look at what the goal is. So if I had a client that was running, say, three times a week for two to three miles just for their cardio, and then in the in the while they're doing a you know relatively heavy strength uh, period, strength phase, that wouldn't be that big a deal. That probably wouldn't be enough mileage uh, on the cardio uh, to really affect their strength and or muscle gains. However, if I if they were trying to increase their 5K time or their 10K or half marathon marathon time. Yeah, we do want straight training, but I, that's not what I'm going to be max trying to, you know, lift 80 to 85% or heavier and have them run two or three long or, you know, mid range runs throughout the week and then a long run on the weekend. That's going to be too much. They might lose some calories or burn some calories and lose some body fat potentially. And they might maintain a certain level of strength in cardiovascular fitness but they're not really going to improve well on both and definitely not for the long haul. If that's something they do for a long period of time, a short period of time, potentially based on the athlete, a better idea again would be prioritizing this next six weeks. We're really going to push the strength. Then we're going to maintain the strength while we push the cardio. Then we're going to come back, push the strength a little bit more, maintain cardio and go back and forth that way. And then over the course of that year, they got stronger and they're, their 5k times or whatever got better because you're allowing your body to recover and you're allowing your body to uh, adapt without overdoing it and again those are other principles that we'll talk about uh, on another podcast um so i'm gonna wrap up there just use it or lose it so think about your programs think about things that you want to do if your client says hey over the next three months i really want to focus on just weight loss Okay, that's fine. That doesn't mean you have to completely cut out any kind of plyometric work or agility work or flexibility or mobility, even if you're just trying to you know, increase either your high intensity interval training, lifting or, or cardio, you know, however you're choosing to attack their weight loss, don't forget these other parameters. Just because you know, doing a box jump or, or having a certain number of you know, side hops in a minute isn't an important, you know, metric for them doesn't mean that those types of skills should be forgotten altogether in a phase. Just maybe downplayed, but not forgotten. Again, reversibility is the principle, use it or lose it. Okay, right, real quick before I uh, wrap up, uh, kind of a parting idea here. I mentioned at the top of the podcast that we're gonna be doing more videos um, on our YouTube but we're also going to be doing more podcasts. Um, and I'm gonna do a, a, an Instagram post talking a little bit more about it um, so you guys can see that. Um, I'm excited. Again, <laughs> you've heard us before. We have a lot of ambition. We put a lot of uh, things out there and see, see what sticks and then we kind of go with that. And we've tried a lot of things and sometimes we try some things and we let it sit there and See if people ask, hey, you guys were doing that. I really liked that. And that's kind of where we are with the YouTube page. We did a little bit. We put it out there. 
we took some time away from it to then go back and look at it to say, okay, what did we like? What look was that interesting? Can I go back and watch it and be interested in in each scene and what we're trying to accomplish and what we're what we were trying to accomplish? Did that come through? Um, and we got some positive feedback about that. So we're actually that's why we're motivated to do it again. The podcast is no different. Uh, I've tried different things on the podcast in the past, different formats, different things, and my most downloaded episodes, um, you know, also usually have a certain um, theme to them. So there's going to be a lot more content, um, some shorter podcasts coming out, some daily stuff. Uh, so again, stick around, check in. We're going to make them real digestible, short and sweet, and that's all we're after. All right. Have a good one.